like with anything, if you want to be successful at it, you have to put in the work. You have to go through those hard first steps. It doesn't come naturally. It is a, it is a tough thing to do. Um, I've seen people shake, literally shake and perspire before they've picked up the phone. And a lot of those people quit that job the same day. They do. They do. And it's, I mean, that's tough. That's why you have to really think about how you're going to go about your call and have a process and flow uh, on every, on almost every single call. Cause if you try to make something up new every single time, that's what leads to people overthinking it. So that's the, I think that's probably the best in first place that we started because most people might be listening in. They're like, I'm overthinking it. And that's what's leading to your downfall in this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what would you, what would you advise for someone, um, for someone to do? If they, if they are overthinking it, if they are worried about picking the phone up? Uh, number one is practicing. Uh, when we practice things, we don't overthink it as much because we have confidence in what we're doing and it's more of a flow. So how do you practice? There's a couple things. You can practice in the mirror. I know for some of you that might sound kind of weird, but <laughs> it is a way to practice, like talking to yourself, figuring out what your inflections are, figuring out how confident you sound. Like That's one thing is you can practice in the mirror. Another thing that you can do is practice with a colleague. Uh, we used to do something called mock cold calls. So we would practice with people and I would do like, here's my intro, here's my value prop. Objections, we would have the objections throw, thrown at each other and we would handle it from there. Uh, that's something that you can absolutely do. So just take the time to practice. A uh, number two is have a prep, a pipe up song before you get on a cold call. Nice. Whatever you want the hype up song to be, like I don't, uh, I mean, I'm not telling you what to pick, but that actually will get you more engaged into the conversation. Those are two main things that you could do to start getting more confident, more conversions, more conversations, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I like that, man, especially the hype up song. I might do that for my next big call. Might get it, some, works. Uh, some it works. Hard rock on some heavy metal and uh, have a mosh pit on my own or something. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. 100%, 100%. It works really well. Brilliant. No, I like that, man. That's good. Um, so the first point for me, and you've already touched on it on the on the call that got cut off was the lack of prep that people put in you know if if you you're you're trying to take this person who you're about to pick the phone up to who's never heard of you to well one liking you and two committing to something um you haven't got a cat in hell's chance you really are just shooting in the sky blind if you think that you're going to get that the majority of the time without any prep so I have, a, I have a framework, which I call pre-search, which I go through, um, which is looking at, looking at elements of, of what that um, prospect has, has done in the past. So you look at press that they've engaged with, roles, what uh, they've had at other companies, what, what they've engaged with themselves, shared connections, how you can reflect your expertise to them, what's their agenda, probably the most important thing. You know, what, do they, what would they want from someone who's calling them? And again, what's your reason for the call um, and what's the correlation between the work you've done and what they want to do and also i like to do a bit of research into the hierarchy of the business as well you know if you're calling b2b which a lot of people are these days you know you don't get that many um b2c callers um anymore so the b2b it's very important to know where this prospect sits in that hierarchy i think um i like to try and find out who's above them and who's aligned with them and who's below them and sometimes if i know that's the person i want to ring i'll ring someone else first and, and try and get an intro that way or say i'm i'm about to write an article on, on someone or you know whatever it takes to just try and get a bit more a uh, bit more knowledge yeah, around yeah. 
the company and also their goals and the, and the, the initial, uh, sorry, the end decision maker. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is, is key. I know I saw someone maybe ask this question around, do I write a cold call script? Um, I don't, everyone's different. I just don't believe in scripts because I believe they make people robotic. What I, similar to what Chris was talking about, I believe in frameworks and formulas because frameworks and formulas can be modified and adjusted according to that person, right? So really the things I'm really focused on are bullet points, right? What's the intro? Everyone here should know what their intro is going into the call. And if you know what type of company you're calling, you could definitely do the research have a really strong intro. Um, also another thing I looked up, just Chris said, I, I look at well, who am I calling and what do they care about and what, what typically they like to talk about as well. So I just have a framework. What's the intro? What's the value prop? What am I called actions? How do I handle objections? Everything's written out pretty much in bullet point form. However, it goes back to my first point that I made around practice. If you continuously are practicing certain things, then you will evolve as a whole. And yeah. as you evolve as a whole, you get more confident in what you're saying. And so you don't really have to look at a script. That's why I don't like scripts because people rely on them too much and they don't actually practice to get more comfortable and making it their own. Yeah, I, I agree, man, because I come from a, a, you know, not a boiler room, but a, a pretty hardcore 200 call a day call centre yeah. um, in northwest England. And man, those days were horrible. But we, we had clients who would pay us to, to read it. You had to say it word for word, this script. And, you know, nowadays when I'm only making 10 to 20 calls a day, it's it's helped me no end, um, especially when I started the role that I'm in now. I was hammering calls out. I was probably doing 50 to 100, all with a little bit of research before them. But, yeah, the, the going from that robotic, you know, you can tell if someone's reading from a script. It's not hard to, not hard to find out or, or notice, is it? So I'm very much the same bullet points. I go through, just find, you know, find that one link, because there's always a link somewhere where you can go, oh, I saw this, or, oh, I believe you're based in, you know, my grandmother lives there. I went there in, in the holidays when I used to grow up. Is Does the factory still around the corner from you? I don't know, whatever it may be. Any sort of talking point, sure. whether they've been featured, listen to a podcast that they're on or something like that, and you will gain that instant credibility and look like you're, look like you're an expert or at least very interested to then launch yourself into, as you call the value prop, and I call sort of the... Uh, the tell basically you tell them very quickly why you why you call him but um i'm going to throw your next one in morgan so one another thing not to do on a cold call care too much what the other person thinks or get too emotional yeah i think some people may hear this and they don't think that i care about people that's not <laughs> that's not what we're saying here like this point is actually really important for everybody listening in if you listen to the replay is that what ends up happening is when we make a cold call because we care about the outcome so much, and because we care about what other people think about us so much, we get so hung up on when they don't want to meet or they hang up on us immediately. So then we're, we're like, oh, okay. Well, because this person wasn't interested because they hung up on me, that uh, you take that personally and then now it affects you going into the next calls. So that's one of the biggest mistakes that you can make because you lose momentum and you lose confidence in what you're doing. Not every single person is going to be interested in what you have to say, even if you did the perfect value prop. So don't get caught up in other people's opinions of what they think about you. Don't get caught up in, like, so caught up in, hey, I'm trying to get this meeting that it is emotionally breaking as well. Um, one, of, one of the things, you know, across the board that I would tell you 
is you really have to make sure and pay attention to how you're responding to these cold calls on the after the fact. I know it's not easy to just be like, hey, don't care, but that's where you have to start shifting to to get more comfortable and better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, don't, I, I can safely say I've never actually been that bothered about, I've been, I've been invested, emotionally invested in some calls, but I've never been too bothered about what the person on the other end of the phone thinks of me on a cold call just simply because there are that many you know, fish in the sea, you can go elsewhere. But what I do remember so being very nervous about was making cold calls in front of people in my first job. I was, because I was yep. awful. I was just, well, you know, everyone is, aren't they? When they start, they're, they're not good. So yeah, that was one thing that, again, I went home and practiced and I tried to stay quiet. And when you're trying to stay quiet on a phone call, that doesn't help. So, I had to, you know, someone told me, like, you, you, you're actually not that bad. You just need to talk louder, project your voice a bit better, have yep. some highs and some lows and a bit of space in between your, your, your sentences and, and give the give the conversation sort of a bit of room to breathe. So, yeah, I think that is, is something, you know, I've, I've seen people put off making a call to someone they've already spoken to because there's a deal hanging on it and they're scared they're going to lose it. I was like, well, at the moment, you don't have it. You don't have it anyway. You have nothing. Yeah. You have nothing. You got to make that call. You have absolutely nothing right now. <laughs> so you got to come in and, and, and do that. I think the, the amount of people that don't just pick up the phone and call people is baffling. It's the difference if you close the deal or not sometimes. Just pick up the phone, make a call, figure out what's going on. I promise you it will not obliterate you. It'll be good. Exactly. So long as you've so long as you've done that little bit of prep, whatever you need to, and thought the conversation out and the aim of the conversation in your head, that'll that'll be fine. And um, we've had a couple of yep. questions. I don't know if you can see these, but we're sort of halfway through. So, um, yep. Karan has asked, "How can we personalize on scale? As it sometimes it takes a lot of time." I agree. That is that's a great question. How can you personalize on scale? Well, there's a lot of answers to this question. First and foremost, I have to understand what do you what do you think is personalization? That's actually the first question. A lot of people will say personalization is a lot of different things. And also, what are you trying to personalize at scale? Is it is it the cold call we're talking about here? You're talking about email. You're talking about video. You're talking about social posting. Like, there's a lot of components to it. But I'll give you the answer that is actually the most easy way to think about it. The reason most people take a lot of time to do things is because they haven't taken the time to allocate time to do it. Mm. We all rush to do things. We're like, oh, okay, cool. I need to go do emails. I need to go do calls. I need to go LinkedIn stuff. But you actually haven't put it on your calendar to actually commit time to doing it. So the reason it takes most people a long time to do things is because you haven't put any blocking around time to actually execute on the activity. So how do you personalize that scale? Well, let's just actually just talk about the phone in itself. If you really want to do this at scale, this is like the easiest thing to do. But this does require effort for you to do it, which is why most people don't do it, which is why it creates scrambling. So on Monday, right? Today's Monday. I have something called an admin day. Basically, all I do is I prep to make sure that I'm good to go for the week research. I'll look at emails. I'll look at blogs, you know, whatever I need to do. So in order for me to do things in a fast manner, I'm already prepping at the beginning of the week so that I can only execute at towards the end of the week. So when it gets to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, I've already, I'm already prepared because I've been doing the admin day. And so how do you do this at scale is on those days that I mentioned, Tuesday to Friday, I would tell you to block off time to do this. 
because again, I'm telling you, most people don't do it. So if it's just like, I need to make 60 cold calls in a day, most people would be like, that's outlandish. It's actually really not. If you do two one hour time blocks throughout the day, you should be able to do 60 calls. That's 30 calls in an hour. You should be able to do that as long as you're paying attention. The problem is with most people is that you block off an hour, then you get distracted, then you then you want to take a break, then you get up, then you, I don't know, you're doing a lot of stuff. So that's, that's the reason why most people aren't proficient in, in their time blocks. That's why they're not able to do things at scale because they're not doing things that do scale, which is time blocking and, and doing the admin day, like I said. So that's the answer to the question is you need to commit a day to getting the research done and you need to commit time blocks to actually doing it. Yeah, and, and all we're talking about there, if you're saying an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, that's still only a quarter of your working day if you're on an eight-hour day. That isn't that much. So there's still extra time in there to have other conversations or do extra research if it's someone you're particularly eager to impress, maybe. So, no, that's that's a great answer. And I think the time time management as a salesperson is probably the, one of the – alongside listening is one of the most vital skills you need to have stuff yep. in your calendar. Um, I'm a little bit OCD with things now where if it's not in the calendar, even in life, general life, it can't happen because that time blocking is so, so important. I don't pick up the phone till half nine, but when I pick up the phone, I usually have one or two hours there depending and I'll strictly stick to new cold, new logo cold calls and then I'll do my follow-up calls in the afternoon so people I have spoken to um previously so yeah no really really good point um we were on to on to my point i think which was one of the things i hear quite a lot when people ring me um so i, I point me as the prospect is they're not being concise yep. they're not concise at all they're, they ramble on about different things or use a very a formulaic approach where they don't let me speak for 30 seconds and i think that is just completely the wrong approach, man. So I, I again, have a little yeah. bit of a formula which which I call STAR. So first and foremost, you need to stand out. You need to differentiate yourself. Don't sound like everyone else you've been ringing. Uh, T is tell. So tell them who you are. Tell them why you're calling. Tell them which you know people in that industry you've worked with. A is just ask. Ask them what you need to. Find out that information. And then R is request. So request your next step. Um, and I've heard you talking, you call it the pattern interrupt, which is what I will call stand out, you know, make yourself sound yep. different. So usually I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make people laugh quite early on if I can, but not, not over the top. Um, either I'll, I'll say, I'm, I'm not sure if, uh, if I've rung the right person or not, but I was hoping you might be able to help me question. And then they'll either go, they'll either stay silent or they'll go, yeah, yeah, sure. And then straight away, you know, you're on side. Oh, brilliant. Well, my name's Chris. Hopefully you can point me in the right direction. Da, da, da. Um, and it goes, goes like that. And that approach works so much better than just picking up the phone and going, hi, my name's Chris. I work for so-and-so and I'd like to sell you one of these amazing little refrigerators we've got or whatever it may be. So what's, yeah, exactly. what's your take yeah, yeah. On, on being concise? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that we, when you make cold calls or you're getting into it, whatever the situation is here, is that we want to tell everybody everything about us, right? We're like, we do this, we do that, right? And if we think about it, though, if someone does that to us, and like to call, I like to call it value vomit, they give us all that information, <laughs> nice. right? We want to hang up the phone, but when we make a call, we don't think about how we hang up the phone on people that make the same calls as us. 
again, it's interesting. So yeah, you have to be concise to the point because people are busy, just like you are busy, which is why you may not be answering your calls. So you always have to think about, this is the easiest concept to think about it as, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. It's really as simple as that. Uh, being brief is being concise in what you're asking, be brilliant, make sure that your value props are on point for that person, and then be gone means, okay, you schedule the meeting, you don't need to do, get off the call, don't stay there forever. Be brief, be brilliant, be gone. Yeah, oh, I like that, I like that, that's brilliant. And it kind of, kind of ties into my next point, which was a weak intro. Um, so we're, we're wrapping up two in one here, I think. Weak intro is, is you only get one chance to do one intro. If you're lucky in a couple of weeks' time, they've forgotten about you and you can maybe do another one. But that weak, in, that weak intro will discredit you immediately. Yeah. Um, so you need to make sure you have a, a question in there or, again, just some little point that's tailored to them perhaps or something that piques their interest. What do you think are a good couple of examples of, of a, a strong introduction? Yeah, so weak introduction is, you know, asking people how their day is and all things of that nature, asking them, is this a good time and never is a good time, right? I, I, those are just things I, I personally would tell you not to do. When you're thinking about an intro, I'm actually going to do a very simple one, is say, hey, this is, let's say I'm making a cold call. I might be like, hey, this is Morgan from JV Sales. Hey, look, you don't know me. I don't know you. The reason for my call is, and I go into it. You don't know like me. It. I don't know you. But the reason for my call is, and then now that person isn't overthinking it themselves, right? Because when people get a call, they're like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what they want. But when I say, hey, look, I don't know you. You don't know me. But here's the reason why I'm calling you. It's going to actually change the dynamic of how they're going to approach you. So that's just something else that I'd also recommend. That's a really good thing, a way of like approaching it is I'll say, hi, this is Morgan Ingram from JV Sales. Hey, look, I don't know you. You don't know me. Here's the reason for my call. Yeah, I like that. I've, I've done, done a similar approach where I go, hi, Morgan. Sorry, really random call. We've not spoken before, but... And then they're like, yeah. random call. Yeah, it takes the pressure off, you know. They've not, they, you're admitting that you've not spoken to them before. They shouldn't expect to know who you are. Um, just Great. a quick one. Pattern up in the conversation. That's what you have to think about when you're doing this. And here's the easiest thing about it. If you sound like everyone else, you probably should adjust what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I love that. Oh, um, there's a couple of takeaways for me in here. I like that. Um, so the first, uh, sorry, the first and final, the, not the first, but the final point. And then if anyone does have any Q&As, um, wants to join in in the Q&A, drop them in the question box. So um, a, a thing that I see, and I've seen this in my own organization previously, is the call to action or the not setting the next step or the expectation at the end of the call. You know, if you're a trans transactional short cycle seller, then yeah, maybe your CTA is, right, I want to punch you through to someone who's going to take your credit card details. But these days, I don't liaise with people that work in that line of work. Now, there's always meetings or Zoom calls or follow-up chats to have before you can sell to someone. So it's never a one-call close. It, it, I work for an agency, so usually the, it's, a, it's a minimum of 10 calls, even when they're on board and are, are interested and probably yeah. are going to buy. You've still got other meetings to take briefs and flesh things out. But um, for a standard sort of first first cold call, the call to action should be really, really simple. And as, uh, there's a lot of disagreement in the industry, I think, as to how assumptive you should be. So I, I'm calling to book a meeting with you, House Friday at 11 
for me is a little bit little bit too forceful um i would be a bit more polite and softer and maybe actually ask but i'm sort of cap uh, i'm confident in my capabilities uh, confident enough in my capabilities for me to know that the first part or the beginning part of the call will make them agree to some form of next step yep yeah it does like the beginning of the call that the predicates what's going to happen at the end like you said and if you could start it off great um it will most likely end great right and that's like the really key thing across the board like and the more that i think about it right is that when you're looking at different pieces when it comes to like the intros and the value props and the call to action that's the really key thing so that's what i would say there no i'm not dozing off at something in my eye but it's all good we're here <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> good good to hear yeah you, you're completely right it's it's a, there's a there's a science to it but once once you've got those first two things the next step you already know what the next step is you know you know if you just want to if you exactly. if you're local through them and you want to pop in you, you know if you you want their manager's mobile number or, or whatever it is so all you've got to do is position that first part of the conversation accordingly and we're not talking five minute conversations here either all of this if done correctly can be done in 60 to 90 seconds in, in my world anyway. I don't know if that's the same for you. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, it's like someone asked me, like, how long should a cold call be, right? You got like 10 to, no, not 10, two to five minutes, two to five minutes approximately. But if you're doing it right, it can be shorter. So about two to five of those, like typically what you're aiming for there. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, yeah, pe I think people get heads up, but you know, the best calls can be the calls that I, I'll step into I'll get my script off and, well, not script, but, you know, I'll get my, um, get my, what I needed to say off and then I'll remain on the call for 15 minutes because they're firing questions back and there's a level of interest there. So it can go either way, but you know when they start asking those questions, you're probably going to get that net, that commitment anyway. Yep, yep, 100%. So we have a question uh, and it's from Karan again. Thanks, Karam. Um, how to ask a deep question for establishing value proposition without sounding too intrusive? Hmm. How to ask a deep question for establishing value prop without sounding too intrusive? I think this is this is a this is a tough one because you don't again you don't want to. There are certain questions that you want to ask, but it, it varies on the level that that person that you're talking to is at. Some people have like, like you could feel their energy on the call that they're more open to answering these questions. And some people are gonna be very guard and reserved and they, and they won't. The one thing I will tell you is that in order to get a deeper question, you can always do this to soften the question and they'll actually answer it. So at the beginning of every question, basically I'll say like out of curiosity and then I'll, and then basically I'll ask the question. So I'm like out of curiosity and then I'll ask the question that I'm looking to ask. So that's, that's like another way of going about it. So if you're looking to ask that deeper question, you say out of curiosity at the beginning, then you ask the question. At the end of the day, everybody wants to remain curious, right, across the board. And then that's what's actually gonna let you get more of an answer. So that's what I would say there is, if you're looking to ask that harder question, say like out of curiosity, then that's the way you can then follow up on that question. I've, I've used that quite a bit when I, I wanna ask a harder question. And because humans are curious, they're they're more likely to actually answer that question for you. 
yeah it's a softener if you go if you know you're going in hard you soften it with something don't you it's just like exactly. this, this pattern interrupt this intro at the start of the call it's it's softer it's not just firing everything off it in one go another one i've found for that um if there's a question you're quite nervous about asking maybe if it's because that the person you've seen the person or the company that you're calling doing something badly is to say oh well we speak a, a, we speak with a lot of companies in x industry and we find yep. that they they all do this thing really badly um how do you usually you know just something to sort of prefix it with that means i'm not saying this about your company i'm actually talking about potential competitors or under other industry players and then and nine times out of ten you tend to one you get them to agree with you because it's sort of standard practice usually that everyone in one industry is doing the same thing badly and two they they usually end up admitting like yeah that's something we've fall, fallen victim to or you know whatever it may be so there's two ways Karan, you've got to to soften these harder questions um now morgan we said we'd cap this at half an hour just because my phone played up i, I want to apologize for the first incident it looks like we might have made it through i think we made um, it through you know, we got, I we think got, we, we did. So, despite it all, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much for for jumping on. For anyone that joined this conversation a little bit late, this will be uploaded to Apple Podcasts and Spotify at some point today, and will be out tomorrow. I will share it in my story and also tag you in it as well, Morgan. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Chris, for inviting me, having me on. Hopefully, everyone gained something insightful here today. Absolutely. God bless you, man. Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody.